listening to On The Road, Australia's number one weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. Here to bring an independent voice to truckies right around Australia. On The Road is brought to you by Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. And NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. here we are again another week has passed it's episode 175 brother paul is here to worship with me at the altar of trucking paul how are you mate i'm, I'm going all right my g where you're uh, you're heading towards that magic 200 issues yeah we're heading towards 200 well we've got more we've actually got nearly 200 when you consider all the live shows that we've put up and all the specials we're, yes, we're probably we're probably pretty close. I haven't counted them up, but it wouldn't be far mm. off it. It's a big number. It is yeah, a big well number. Well. Certainly a lot further than I thought we'd ever get when I started it. That's for must, sure. Must be doing something right. We must be doing something right. So, mm. the back end of the show, Andy, of course, is going to be in with his music bit. That's sort of changed a little bit. That's metamorphosized over the time since we started as well. That's a bigger word than barbecue. It is a bigger word than barbecue. I don't know. Anyway, um, also, we're heading towards the Barbecue Day, Australia Day. We're going to be down at uh, the Karoi Truck Show, uh, Yogi, Craig and I and our supervisors. That's our other halves are going to be there supervising us to make sure we don't get into too much trouble. Now, I don't uh, I don't know too much about that show. Do you want to give a quick rundown on it? I'm sure it's, uh, it must be awesome if, you, if, if the crew's all going. Well, I, I used to run my business out of Warrnambool. Back, oh, right. Back in the day. Yeah, yeah so right I expect to uh, run into a few people down there that I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite happy that I don't owe anyone any money down there. So <laughs> it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be too terrible. No, I expect to catch up with a few guys I know down there. Croyd is probably one of the bigger Victorian events that happens uh, about the Australia Day long weekend every, okay. every year and it draws a a pretty big crowd of the locals down there. There's a lot of timber down there. There's a lot of dairy down there. There's a lot of produce down there that uh, goes to the markets, etc. And uh, Portland, of course, is one of the biggest export ports uh, in Victoria. Uh, mm. I think I actually think it's one of the bigger ones in Australia. A lot of grain and cattle and 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 sheep and all that sort of thing go mm. out of the port of Portland. Okay. And what's what's the format, Mike? Is it um in in the street like casino or no. is it in a showground? It's at the showground. It's usually oh, yeah. it's at the showground okay. there. So very nice. Very nice. And okay. uh, of course the photographers love to get down there. It brings out the best uh, and the brightest from around the, the southwest of Victoria, southeast of uh of South Australia. But a lot of guys get down there as well. It's look, it's not uh it's not a huge show and shine. It's you know certainly not Alexandria or Alexandria mm. or something like that. But it's a great little show, great community show, and, and we're looking forward to being there for it. It's mm. uh, going to be a bit of an event. Yogi's been supporting it for years. So, um, pretty pretty part of the world too, isn't it, down that part it, of the country? It's a very nice part of the world down there. Uh, Tower mm. Hill Reserve is pretty close, and you can sort of get in there in the old volcano. Uh, Caldera there and have a bit of a look at that. They've got a bit of a okay. national park there. Beautiful scuba diving along the coast there. I used to scuba dive all along the coast there. Uh, 
lots of crayfish and, and all that sort of thing. It's a, it's a nice place to be. Port Ferry's find find myself a little bit jealous here. Well, Port Ferry's <laughs> not far away. That's one of the one of the uh, premier destinations. Of course, they had the folk festival down there. Don't ask me when it's on because I can't tell you. I can't remember. They have a uh, they have a huge rod run there every year as well. So in yeah. our, our our sister world, yeah, the Port Ferry Rod Run is yeah. a massive massive turnout. So yeah, stuff down there, and of course, the biggest sprint car event in Australia is on on the Australia Day long weekend down there as well. The Classic. Oh really? Out at okay. the out at the out at Premier Speedway near Allensford, and I, I lived about oh probably five k's from there when we were mm. uh, place at Allensford there, and uh, and. Uh, Yes, very, very interesting place. Of course, the old Nestle factory was down there. They used to make Blend 43 coffee and all that. I think it's Viterra own it now. Mm, I think. Okay. And, yep. of course, okay. uh, the, the uh, Warnable Cheese and Butter factory at Allensford and uh, oh, it used to be Kraft. I think it's – I can't remember what it is now. I think it, uh, at Cobden, another big milk processing plant there. And mm. Mate, it's just, a, it's just a very, very busy – industrious area down there. A lot of guys get down there. And, uh, of course, uh, the university that I went to and did my nursing training there as well at Warrnambool. That's where I did my degree. So. Going to be um, – sounds like it's going to be a good weekend for the truck and life team. Well, we are staying. I won't tell you where we're staying because we don't want the paps all sort of taking photos of us as we're going in and out of our rooms. <laughs> um, we certainly don't want, you know, we don't want the uh, the opposition transport media knowing where they are, where we are, so they can. Or, or or the admiring paparazzi. No, no, we don't need any of that sort of stuff. But you will see us out and about, and if you do get down there and see us, please feel free to come up and say good day. We. Uh, we enjoy talking to people that we meet along the way. And, of course, uh, Yagi's going to be there doing uh, his usual promotional piece for the uh, the Croyd crew, and he'll be mm. with us in the tent, the Truck and Life tent occasionally. We're going to have, you know, magazines, the third episode or the third issue of Truck and Life magazine is going to be there hot off the press. That comes off Very the press good. this week. Uh, Nothing. It's like the smell of a newborn baby, Mike. It is. It is. That that new issue. Whenever we get the new issue of cruising, I always crack it open. Yeah. It's like it's like it's like a new birth. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful times. Well, a lot of work's got into this one. It's a hundred and twelve pages of truck and goodness. Nice. And uh, very, good. very very happy with the way it's come up. Uh, very we, good. We do have just on that piece of news. We do have. Uh, uh, we've pretty much made the decision that we're going to go bi-monthly after issue four. Wow! So uh, we're going to sort of fantastic. Congratulations! Well, we got the we've got the support we think, um, and uh, you know we do need to uh, we do need to work, of course, and but you know it's worth doing. We we love what we're doing, and we're having a great time doing it. And people are sort of encouraging us, and we're getting encouraged to to bring it back to monthly. And look, we'd like to eventually, but uh, we need a little bit more firepower and a little bit more money in the bank before we do that. Mm-hmm. And that uh, that new that new ad guy of yours needs to go to work. He does. He needs to pull his mm-hmm. finger out and get out there and do a bit. That's what he needs to do. <laughs> All right, mate. I suppose we better look at the news and see what's going on there. There's a little bit of stuff that we're not talking about as usual. 
Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about the construction of the single lane beginning on the Palmerston Highway. That You can read about that if you want to. Courses work beginning on the flood-prone Udnadatta track. We're not going to worry about that too much. There is a truck you uh, asked us was asked to film himself for a job application, and I will say that you <laughs> you can see the video of that. And I'll, I'll look. Go to bigrigs.com.au, click on the story, and have a look. It's it's fairly funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, look, looking about, look, there's other stuff. The Captain Cook Highway is set to reopen. We don't need to talk about that. Lynn Fox and Maya have extended their uh, 30-year-long marriage, so they're not getting divorced anytime soon. Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about the federal government laying out the Euro 6 fuel mandate timeline. We don't worry about that. So there you go. And the other thing that we're not going to talk about, and I'll tell you what, this would make the uh, Kenworth operators sit up and take notice. The 800-horsepower Chinese truck winning the power stakes, mate. I'm not going to talk about that either. Nah. What, what, what sort of power is that, though? I don't know. I don't know. 800-horsepower. I remember, mate, when I, when I uh, was talking to a guy I used to work with back in the day and 400s and 450s were, were sort of coming out and they were saying, oh, you don't need 450 horsepower. You'll just spin the bloody tyres off the rims. Mm. And all that sort of stuff, and look, look at net what we got now. You know, six hundred and twenty horsepower series <clears throat> and stuff. Remember, remember the days of you know, um, yeah, two ninety Cummins formulas pulling road trains. Yeah. Amazing. Yep. Where we've come, where we've come. Yeah. Yeah, how well, far we've come. My first mm. interstate trip was in a plastic cab Atkinson with a Formula two ninety and a fifteen speed. <laughs> so. They were a uh, they were a fantastic bulletproof engine. Those two nineties. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Could get along mm. all right when once you got it rolling, it was going all right. It wouldn't pull once, the skin off a rice custard though. Once, once you got the moment, it was all about the momentum, Mike. Yeah, to keep it going. <laughs> right, eh? well, we better have right, a look eh? at some serious news stories now. Let's kick off with South Australia. They're introducing mobile detection cameras. Just another way we can just reach into people's wallets, isn't it? Uh, cameras, all this all this automated, uh, these automated finds. Again, I still, uh, I still wonder why, and I would love to see the true, true data of all this because, again, I do not believe you don't even know you've, uh, you've done the wrong thing on the yeah. phone while you're driving. Yep, yeah, yeah. We all know it's the wrong thing, particularly... You know, how many times have we seen, I've seen personally the young ones, the young ladies doing, you know, on the phone, doing their makeup while they're driving, all this sort of stuff. But I still think it would be better to be pulled up by a member of the authorities and have a good stern talking to and then just click finds in the mail. Yeah. Well, no one knows about that. If you see the highway patrol car sitting on the side of the road with disco lights on, Mm. you know, giving someone a ticket, that's a visual reminder for everyone out there that they're still out there doing the job. Of course, Absolutely. some people see that as, oh, there can't be two, and they'll hair off down the road, which mm-hmm. always amuses me when you see the highway patrol on the on the yeah, highway working in tag teams of three. Tag teams. <laughs> used to be, um, they used to be really good for that on the New England back in the day. They yeah. would have one marked car and one unmarked about two k's behind them. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so money well spent, is it? Well, there's a question we've all got to ask. So it's part of a $15.9 million program. 15.9. 
Yeah, so, so the uh, the cameras work by capturing, of course, high quality images from multiple angles through the driver's windscreen. We know how it all works. Yeah. Question question is, will that nearly that nearly sixteen million dollars? Could that have been spent better educating young drivers at school with an education trailer, perhaps, or something along those lines? Spend that money and educate the kids before they even get a license. Particularly now, everyone owns a mobile phone or virtually anyone. But no, once again, we seem to we seem to do this reactive and punishment as opposed to proactive and education, Mike. Yeah, well, so, they're saying that all the funds raised from the fines are going to return to the Community Road Safety Fund. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cynical laugh. I call bullshit. It'll end up in consolidated revenue. That's where it'll end up. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that one, Mike. Uh, there will be certainly no – or they're saying all oh, the initiatives from the fund include safety improvements, education programs, and hard-hitting public advertising. Sounds mm. wonderful, doesn't it? They reckon they uh, they save lives by detecting and deterring drivers who put themselves and others at risk. If that's the case, if they if they're supposed to deter and uh, drivers and everything, why would you go and then say where they are located? Yes, it's 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 a little bit of a uh, uh, it's a little bit hypocritical, isn't it? Well, mm. I mean the 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 thing about a, a mobile highway patrol car is the bloody thing can be anywhere at any time of the day or night. And this is what my big issue with fixed cameras. The locals know where they are. Mm-hmm. And you see it driving down the Hume Highway. We used to see it, uh, particularly when I, I used to go down and cart aluminium out of uh, Point Henry, out of mm-hmm. down in Geelong there. Yep. And you'd be coming back, you'd be coming back down the uh, Geelong Road, back to Melbourne, and they had fixed speed cameras under the bridges mm-hmm. and things like that. And people yep. would roar up to these things, hit the brakes, Slide under them ten k's under the speed limit. They'd sometimes cut you off to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and and of course, as soon as they were past where I could take a photo of them, they hair off again off down they, the road. Off they go again, <laughs> you know. So it didn't de- it didn't detect or deter anything. What it did was created traffic mayhem, particularly for anyone in a truck who happened to be close to one of these clowns that did that. Of course. Tra- that- Traffic friction, as we're as we're using, which is a good term, isn't it? It creates traffic friction. It That's does. All it does. Mm. That's all it does, and creates frustration. Of course, then they went on to the point to point cameras in in Victoria, which they don't seem to use in other places. I think they might have some in South Australia now. Uh, we actually have some up here now too. Do you really? Oh, of course you do. On, on, the, on, on the, the on the Warrigo Highway. On the Warrigo, of course, mm. of course, of course. Mm. Where, where trucks are only allowed to do 90 in an area other people are allowed to do much more. Mm-hmm. Um, that that does my head in, that does. And, of course, it's not even that well signposted. No. And uh, no. I remember the first time, I, now that you mentioned it, I remember the first time I went up there and went down there and I thought, well, how fast am I supposed to be going, 90 or 100? Mm. No, no one knows. It's ridiculous. <laughs> And of course, not you get that, n- not that, not that there's inconsistencies in laws in oh, uh, state, no. state in this country, God is there? No, no, God, no. God no. no, no. All right, well, that's uh, South Australia introducing their mobile phone detection cameras and stuff. There's going to be a little bit of a grace period. We'll take your photo and send you a letter. Yes, um, which they love to do. And of course, once you've done that, you've been warned, people. You've been you've warned. been been warned, and the fines will be five hundred and forty dollars and three demerit points. Right, that's right, five hundred and forty bucks. Ouch, ouch. Right, hey, what's next, mate? What are we doing next? 
Um, I think we probably mentioned the, uh, yeah, well, I guess we need to do the veil for uh, this poor, poor gentleman, Graham Dusty Brown. Yeah, mm. yeah. He, uh, mm. unfortunately, I never met the guy, but when I was working up in the Pilbara, everyone talked about him, right? Everyone knew him. Okay. I never, right. I never met him. Um, apparently, 75-year-old Graham Dusty Brown lost his life in a truck roll over up there. He was one of the heavy recovery guys. So mm. go out and go out and uh, basically pick up trucks and t- and 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 cart them all over the place. So he towed the move the quads off the road and all that sort of thing. From Newman, he was. Okay, uh, yeah. it's interesting. It's interesting that industry, isn't it? Like the tow truck industry, again, very mm. very important, very important part of our industry. Yeah, you you rarely hear about them being involved in accidents, even though. It really is quite a quite a challenging a challenging task picking up vehicles and towing, you know, heavy vehicles and towing them. It's I'm not going to say the word dangerous, but you know, we're certainly glad we don't hear more of them. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. They um, you know, and it's it's great. We don't you don't hear of too many um, accidents involving tow trucks, do you? No, I'm you thinking. don't. It's very it's yeah. very very rare. So anyway, a lot of tributes are poured in. Mm. You know, saying how uh, how they uh, respected and liked him. He was a you know an older guy, but he was as fit as many as fit as Mally Bull and twice as dangerous. Mm, and, mm. Um, used to work for well, he was working for Swan Towing Service, which is a Perth-based company. Mm. Uh, everyone mm. is saying how shattered they are. Obviously, completely unexpected. Mm. Uh, a loyal, hard-working driver. Nothing was too hard or too much trouble, uh, and he was a true Pilbara legend. Yeah, out, out out doing a day's work. Yeah. Day's work. Rest mm. in peace, Dusty. Absolutely. Yeah, no good at all. Mm. Oh, no. Let's get on with the caravan thing, I think, is the second to last thing that we wanted to talk to. Um, <laughs> well, and uh, good timing because at the end of the, we did touch on this before Christmas, but at the end of the day, we're still very much in the holiday period, skill holiday period. Yeah. So this is still very much a reality for a lot of our drivers out on the road as we speak. Well, mate, I uh, drove past the duck pond the other day and people coming south out of uh, southbound out of Sydney will know the duck pond. It's that uh, that big one, or they call it duck pond or pig farm, depending on on who educated you and, and what you know. Okay. But, but uh, there's, uh, what is there, eight or there's probably 10 or 11 actually marked base uh, spaces there, might be a dozen. Mm-hmm. Um, I drove past there the other day. And of course, there was a fellow there that likes to set up his coffee van in the car, okay. in the car area. He's there all the time. There mm-hmm. are some toilets and things there. Um, it's a fairly well marked. It's a very popular parking bay. It's not the not the best place to sleep, in my experience. I have slept there once or twice. Okay, uh, not by choice. Let me add. Um, but. Uh, Often guys coming out of Sydney will get out to there and they'll pull over and find themselves a park and if they can, but this time of the year, chock-a-block the caravans. I drove past there the other day and there were six caravans in truck parking spaces. There were trucks parked along the back of it and that had to overshoot and get on the off-ramp or the out-ramp to find themselves a place to park, but it's all right. There's plenty of places to park six caravans there. Of course, if you went in there and talked to them, they would say that they're fully entitled to be there and, and, and screw you, I expect. But, you know, there are other places for them to park. They don't need to be right there where they are. 
it's, now, un, it's unfortunate. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to uh, – I, I apologise to the listeners for a cynical tone in my voice. I'm sure they're starting to pick up fairly uh, – they're starting to pick up that uh, – Paul, Paul gets a touch cynical when it comes to authorities and their authoritarian <laughs> approaches. No. I, I, I find it amazing so that, so. Um, I find it amazing that, you know, councils, state authorities, I'm not sure, I'm not going to pin it on the federals here, but the state and surely state and local authorities can pass a law, pass a rule, Mike, to put up signs in town saying no heavy vehicle parking between the hours of 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. or else. That's right. Okay. And yet we cannot seem to pass an actual law and make this law that if the caravan is parked taking up a heavy vehicle parking spot, uh, and let's face it, if, if they're taking up a heavy vehicle parking spot, a heavy vehicle comes in for their regulation break that they are forced to do by the regulations, go into the parking area. The parking area is completely full and, as you say, there's there's 12 spaces for 12 trucks, you know, 12 heavy vehicles. Eight of them are taken up by caravans and another four heavy vehicles who have the right to be in there. Now, if that driver, he has no choice but to continue on back out of the parking area mm. and back on the road, now, if that if that um, that driver has a fatigue related accident as a result of that, who's liable for that, Mike? Well, they'd pin it on the driver, of course. Of but course, I, they would. But I mean, you you raise a very important point, and and this is one of those things where uh, you know our logbook offences seem to be strict liability fines. We just, you know, you're either in or you're out. And no one mm-hmm. seems to care. We are going to do a series of stories on this. I've got a. I'm trying to line up to to do some work with uh, one of the groups who uh, represent the um, EWD group, a lobby. Mm-hmm. And yep. we, we're going to try and sort of debunk some of that stuff, and uh, and have a look at what really happens, etc. It's a that's a story for another day. Mm-hmm. But you know, fatigue is one of the biggest factors of of accidents in the trucking industry. We know that to be true. It's been proved. Mm-hmm. 66% of Australians surveyed are aware they shouldn't use truck area rest spaces, 66% of them. But they don't understand the implications of why and then the consequences of why, what can happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would encourage and, you know, we've, we support the, uh, the truck-friendly uh, Facebook page and group. You know, I'll make... Um, Mr. Wilson runs that, and there are you know incentives there. You put a little bit of a disc on the back of your caravan, since you've got a UHF, etc. If you've heard the ads on the radio show, um, you'll you'll know that uh, that says that the the car's got a uh, sorry, the caravan operator's got a UHF in there, and and they understand they've had a bit of education. It is about education. Um, and the regulators tried to do a little bit in that space. They got hold of Jimmy Reese and they got him to do some stuff and put it out there. And look, it was funny. It was good stuff. We we need space and and all that sort of thing. So education's the key, though. Well, education is is critical, but it's it's in, it's interesting that they're they're prepared to educate. <laughs> The caravanners, <laughs> but prosecute the transport operators. You're really starting to try. You're really trying to wind me up now, aren't you, Paul? 
Well, it's just, it's not, it's not fair. I'm no, sorry, it's not, no, it's not, it's not fair. It's not fair. They're, they're quite happy to educate the, the, the caravaners on a matter of, he- and we're talking about a matter of heavy vehicle fatigue. Yep. Which is, like you say, we all we all know how dangerous it is, and heaven forbid the regulator reminds us all multiple times per day. <laughs> you know how many times is fatigue mentioned in your work diary? Yeah. And yet, when when these caravaners are potentially causing a fatigue breach in these heavy vehicle rest areas. All I get is some education, Mike. Yeah, well, I know that it's a it, it's a, a tough ask sometimes to say to the caravan guys, have your UHF on channel forty and and leave it on there and communicate with the truck drivers and all that. I have listened to some of our colleagues on the UHF and mate, sometimes I turn mine off. Because- I'm sorry to I'm sorry to say in a thirty plus year career career in the industry I'm ashamed of how they speak on the UHF. Yeah, it's pretty and, and, bad. And, and there's been many a time where I've said to myself, well, if mm. I was in a four wheel drive with my wife and kids, I wouldn't want to listen to some of the language that comes across. Yeah, well, I don't even want to listen to it, and I'm sitting alone in the truck. Mm. I don't even want yeah. to listen to it. Correct. So, Correct. All right. So there's that one, mate. The other thing that we've got that we wanted to talk about quickly is a subject that's near and dear to your heart. Oh, yes. It's certainly near and dear to a lot of guys' hearts, retired guys. Um, and it is the, the story about the how hard it is for people to keep their licenses, how hard it is for these 80-year-old guys who have been driving all their life to keep the license to drive their hobby truck. Um, mm-hmm. And to me, it just seems thoroughly wrong. I've got a letter sent to me by Spencer and Gloria Watling. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the name, Spencer was one of the uh, six guys that started the Razorback Blockade back in the day with, with the old mate Green Dog. Mm-hmm. And they've been writing letters and talking to people. Uh, they've sent a letter to the local MP and uh, highlighting the fact that the cost of keeping a licence is absolutely huge and it's almost beyond the reach of your average pensioner because they've got to hire a truck, go and do it, and then they're being tested by a person who's probably not only ever driven a truck commercially, but is trying to make you drive in a different way to the way you've operated your whole working life. And I've had this conversation with many of the older guys who – you know, float the gears and all that sort of thing. People saying, "Oh well, you know, if you don't use your clutch, we're not going to pass you." It's ridiculous. Now, now some of these, you know, some of these these gentlemen, yeah, you know, some of these gentlemen and 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 late ladies have mm. been driving for five decades. Yep. And 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 if they haven't got it right by now, Mike, are, are they? Like, I'm I'm sorry, but where is and and these these retired transport operators? Have given their dues. They've served their country. They've helped build the country through hard work. Yep. Sweated their guts out. Now, all what they're looking for in their retirement, in their glory days, is to restore restore a hobby truck. And that, and let's face it, that that movement is growing exponentially. It absolutely and I am, is. And I am thrilled with it. There is nothing better than seeing a retired, you know, retired transport operator who said, you know, my my. My first truck was a 1418 single drive in 
uh, duck egg blue with a white roof, and <laughs> so he goes and finds one. Yep. And he restores it. Yep. It's in perfect working condition because it's had a nut and bolt restoration, six new tyres, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He or she is in their eighties, and all they want to do is poke along to to a truck show with their with their club plates on. Yep. And these authorities are making that. As ah. difficult as they possibly can, yep. I don't understand. And and yet, and yet, off air, if a gentleman or a lady, retired doctor, etc., that's driven mm, maybe twenty thousand kilometres a year, <laughs> but that's okay if they want to go out and buy a brand new four wheel drive and a caravan that's nearly as long as a 36-foot close bogey McGrath strap trailer, yep. and then drive that anywhere they want. That's right. Not a problem. I, I, I'm sorry if that winds me up, but if that doesn't wind you up, then you've got no key on you. You've got no key to be wound up. It's bloody, <laughs> bloody ridiculous, Mike. Well, I, it's I, bloody ridiculous. Yeah, you're not going to get an argument out of me, mate. I thoroughly agree. I mean, you go to the Kenworth Classic or things like that, and you see some of these historic jiggers there, and you get to talk to some of the guys, and and I've I have, and they it's just so bloody hard to keep your license to do that sort of thing. Uh, yes, I find it. I find it abhorrent. Now, look, no one is saying that you shouldn't have to have a test to keep your license. I'm not. I'm not advocating that at all. No, what I am no. saying is that the cost of it really shouldn't be what it is. And you know, no. it, not not for a like. If you want to, if you can keep your car license, fine. If you can keep your car license and maybe some uh, endorsement on your license to continue to, if you've held a commercial license. Uh, to have some sort of endorsement to be able to drive a historic plated um, semi-trailer or something like that, you're not going to go back to work full-time. If you want to work full-time, yeah, then fine. Go and have to have the whole test, right? Correct. Correct. But, but if you're not going to – if you're retired now and all you want to do is drive your, you know, your K125 down the road bobtail or tow a single trailer with your own, own stuff on it, why the hell shouldn't you? It, there should be, there should, and it's not impossible. Like you say, all they need to do is endorse, endorse your license. Now yep. we, we, you know, I I refer to the United States on a lot of this stuff because yep. there is some things over there that they just do so well yep. that we do not. One of the things over there is the not for hire program, where That's I'm right. sure you, you've seen it. You know that. Well, if I'm you, familiar with that. Yep. Restore your W, and you have no you have no intentions of carting paying freight with it. It is a hobby truck. You have that not for hire sticker on on the quarter glass. Yeah, you pay the cheap registration. You can go anywhere. It it what they're doing is they're saying, okay, you've paid your dues, mm. you've paid your tax for fifty years, you've, you've helped build the country. Now you want to enjoy your retirement with your vehicle. Let's make it. As you say, no one's saying don't have a medical test or make sure that the vehicle's safe and you're safe, but it can't it's not that hard. If no. you if they, they bring an endorsement system in for, for for the license for so you can basically drive your hobby truck and it should and all all you know, all most of these these people are pensioners. Yep. They're on the pension and yet Financially, they want to make it difficult and take their right off them to enjoy their golden years with with their hobby vehicles, and that's that's just criminal in my book. Yeah, no, Absolutely criminal. No, no argument. Yeah. Well, it's not good enough. No, it's not good enough, and I think that we need to sort of start to. Uh, I think we need to start lobbying for that. 
Well, we need, we need to, as, as we know, so many of our colleagues, um, you know, and, and the, the drivers and the only drivers that I look up to are all in their seventies and eighties now, and in yeah. fact, up up here. Yeah, that's right. For me, for me personally, I have you know the three or four or five mentors in my life yep. all have hobby trucks now. Yep, are all seventy and over, and that that pool, Mike, that pool that pool is only going to get bigger as the years go on, and and you know not necessarily all of them, but a big a, a big percentage of those men and women are going to want to have that hobby truck and enjoy enjoy the com- you know the camaraderie mm. of being in a club and being able to go to the Kenworth Classic, Coroid, et cetera. But if these authorities make it too expensive, all they're going to do is just take the joy away. What, why is that? Yeah, well, why do they want to take the joy away from people? There's plenty of things that you can do. And, you know, there are places that – there are places where oh, the guys want to go. They want to get together with their mates. It's like, you know, it's like the coffee and cars thing. It's like the – you know all that. Absolutely. You know these guys get around. They've got a common interest, and you know the, I reckon there's nothing better than going to have a look at some of the historic trucks and talking to some of the guys, some of the old. Oh, I I could talk I to them it. for hours. They've and got hours stories, and mate. Hours. They've got stories, and they've got knowledge to impart, and they've got, you know, they've got a way about them. It's you know I I I, I love talking to, to them anyway. It's just. I love well, they, need, they need to be respected and revered, and they also need it. They need a system that is fair and affordable so they can travel and share their knowledge yep. with, with the younger enthusiasts. Well, that's what should happen. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I think places like the Hall of Fame at Alice Springs and, the, you know, the stories from the Road Museum at Port Piri and all these other places that, you know, that highlight the industry um, up, up at Winton and, and, and you know, all these places where some of the, the icons of the industry are remembered, uh, I think that these places are all important and we we really should. Truck and Life, I know, we as a group, we feel that uh, these things should be done. That's why we did so much work out at, with the Hall of Fame this year with the, with the um, History Makers Award. So well, well, it's interesting, Mike, that you can. So there's a system in place that you and I, if we go out and buy ourselves a new prime mover mm. and three trailers and three dollies mm. and add axles and do this and do that, you you and I can form a form a company, go to the authorities, pay enough money for a PBS permit, and we can run that bloody thing wherever wherever the permit will allow us to go. Yeah. We can't, as a system, can't seem to be for these true valued members of the community to yep. be able to afford to enjoy their hobby. Well, I don't know what's going on with the sound at your end, mate, but you're moving in and out and you... I don't know what's going on. I, I apologise. We're uh, we're having another another afternoon storm about to roll into Mulgary and oh, it does play havoc with the phone service here. All right, mate. Well, we better wrap it up then if that's the case. I don't want you to get damp. You might have to get a bucket and run around the house and sort of find a play. Thank you. Uh, thanks to the listeners. Travel safe, those that are travelling, and get home to your families. Uh, mate. Uh, we will uh, we'll see what's on the, on the cards for next week. Indeed. Catch up with you next week, buddy. Stay safe. Cheerio.
there's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. Here's Andy's music time machine. Time machine. Time machine. Yes, we're back into the time machine this week to take a look back into the early 80s of Australian music, and specifically a band who was dubbed as Australia's supergroup. The band was only ever intended to be a part-time venture for any Aussie professional musos who had a bit of downtime from their regular musical projects. Here's the crunch though, throughout its lifetime, the band featured members of The Angels, Sherbet, Skyhooks, Rose Tattoo, The Choir Boys, Australian Crawl, The Divinals, The Models, Dragon and Swanee, and even included the likes of international artists like Joe Walsh from The Eagles, Eric Burden from The Animals, Alan Lancaster from Status Quo, and Graham Bonnet from Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, the band Richie formed after Deep Purple split up. Now that, my friends, is truly a supergroup. In total across the years, the band had no less than 50 members at one time or another, all of them music legends in their own right. They recorded a total of three studio albums and four live albums. In fact, it was for their live shows that this band forged their place as Australia's number one party rock band. They released ten singles in total, all of which rocketed up the Aussie charts, all of them covers of well-known songs originally recorded by equally well-known artists. Have you guessed the name of the band yet? No? Okay. Well, here's what is undoubtedly the biggest hit they ever had. It's a rollicking version of the original John Congos song from 1971. It's called He's Gonna Step On You Again.
Yes, they were all about good time rock and roll. They never took themselves too seriously. They just wanted to party. So way back in 1982, Paul Christie, the bass player from Mondo Rock, along with Aussie rock guitar royalty Kevin Borich, pulled together a fun time rock and roll outfit they called the Party Boys, and the rest, as they say, is history. In 1983, they literally threw together an album they called Live at Several Twenty-Firsts, a title that showed the type of humour they were well known for. The album, to their surprise, shot to number nine on the Aussie album charts, and the boys decided to kick on with the project, gathering momentum and a huge following with every live show they unleashed on an unsuspecting public. Every song this band performed was unashamedly a cover of someone else's song. In fact, one album was titled no song too sacred. Once again, a nod to the fact that if they loved a song and wanted to perform it, they bloody well did. To the best of my knowledge, the Party Boys kicked on rocking stages all over the country at least until 2011. And that's what you'd call a really good innings. So to finish up our trip back in time with the Party Boys, here they are with their kick freckle version of the ACDC classic, High Voltage.
come up behind a caravan wearing a big green sticker that says I'm truck friendly. It's simply telling you that the driver you're following is a part of a growing safety-minded community of caravanners who actually want to help other road users, have a good understanding of safe towing practices and have a UHF radio switched on and ready to communicate. If you too want to be a part of the solution and not the problem, find out more about the great truck-friendly caravan road safety program by visiting their Facebook page or website at www.truckfriendly.com.au. Hi there, a couple of issues to cover today uh, and I'll begin by uh, dealing with the uh, NHVR. They used to send out a regular newsletter via email called On The Road. The current one that arrived yesterday has uh, got a fair bit of stuff in it. But uh, one thing that took, grabbed my attention, the headline is NHVR makes headway in delivering heavy vehicle regulatory services in Queensland. Well, that's fair enough. We've known for a while that that's on the on the cards, and uh, both Paul and Sal have spoken about it on the on our live radio show and in press releases and that. But the first paragraph is, is what made it interesting to me, and I quote, The NHVR is on track to become Australia's single national regulator with the transition of heavy vehicle safety services from the Queensland Department of Transport and, and Main Roads due for completion in the first half of 2024. It goes on to say how they're going to be doing on-the-road compliance investigations, prosecutions, inspections and all that stuff that TMR currently do. I've said before on many occasions, and I'm saying again, the NHVR, the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator, and its overarching body, the NTC, the National Transport Commission, they really can't call themselves national while they haven't got Western Australia and the Northern Territory on board. I can safely uh, predict in my mind, or give my opinion, that until the uh, eastern half of Australia, the, 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 the current um, areas that NHVR operates in, are prepared to adopt some of the flexibility and the, and, and the forward thinking that we see with the... Uh, you know, with, with the administration of, of transport, road transport, and, or all transport, but mainly road transport regulations in Western Australia and the Northern Territory, until we see the flexibility and the common sense that they have over there, you're not going to see Western Australia and the Northern Territory sell themselves out to uh, the regulations in the eastern half of the country. Now, surely there's an, a, a, a solution there somewhere, if people can just get their heads together and start to be a bit fair dinkum with each other and understand that there's nothing wrong with being able to work 84 hours a week every week, why do you need to, uh, in the east, eastern half of the country, only work 60 hours in the second week of the fortnight? It's not compulsory to do those 84 hours, but it's damned handy to be able to if you need to get home. You know, we have this thing called the tyranny of distance in Australia, Um Jeffrey Blaney, a famous historian, he was the person that came up with that 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 uh, that term. And uh, the tyranny of distance is difficult to deal with when you've got the tyranny, the tyranny of outdated, outmoded and unnecessarily regulation. We need the flexibility. We don't need it to be compulsory. I know some companies sort of make it look like it's compulsory to do a 14-hour day. If you've got a 14-hour book, well, that needs to be dealt with too because 
as I keep saying, in some aspects, some of the things wrong with the industry are a result of us being our own worst enemy. But I just think that it's a pretty um, dubious claim at this stage for the NHVR to be saying they're on track to be the single national regulator in Australia. There's a long way to go before that happens. I, uh, I don't mind if it happens, but uh, I only mind if it... I, only, I would only support it happening if uh, some flexibility can be... and some ground can be given on both sides, by both sides, to get some common ground that, that will work for everyone. Like, um, they just have to understand, especially in Western Australia and the Territory and even Northern South Australia and, 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 and all of outback Queensland, um, some of the regulations we have to live with are just unnecessary, especially when these days people are carrying all the, the comforts of life with them, you know, trucks with microwaves and televisions and I even heard a mate the other day saying his new boss bought him a new air fryer for his new truck. Well, I thought, man, oh man, he's going to live healthy. Uh, it, you know, and I know a couple of fellows, uh, one bloke in particular who I used to see from time to time across the West, who even got showers in their trucks. And um, good luck to them. Um, they're not going to be upsetting the roadhouse operators by using their showers and not buying anything else uh, or not buying anything. But, uh, yeah, um, good on you, NHVR, if you reckon you can pull it off and become the national, uh, single national regulator. But uh, I think you better uh, open your minds a bit and be open to suggestions. And um, if I'm being critical, accept the criticism. Uh, the NTC is just so inflexible, it's incredible, and uh, it really needs to uh, take a reality check. There's some good people on, you know, on the committee of the NTC. I'll uh, possibly go into a bit of history of the NTC and the makeup of it in one of my um, speaking out columns in the future. But uh, anyway, in the meantime, um, I don't mind uh, reading the on-the-road newsletter from the NHVR. There's quite some quite interesting stuff, and at least we know where they're, where they're trying to go with things like PBS and uh, the load... Restraint Guide and Tip of, oh, tip of Body Design. They're, they're having a crack at everything here. But uh, oh, and the inter another interesting one is Caravan is being reminded to share the road and rest stops with truckies these holidays. Well, uh, they ought to just be properly trained and properly licensed and then they wouldn't need to be uh, urged by the NHVR. They probably do, could do with being regulated by the NHVR. Anyway, good luck to the NHVR and the people in it. I know they work hard and they mean well and uh, truly national. We've got a long way to go before that can happen. The uh, other little subject that came across my desk this last couple of days, the overdrive email. The article was concerning Uber Freight. Now, Uber Freight operators, sort of like a you did load agent, load board type freight brokers like the people that um, we've been worried about over here starting up. Now, the interesting thing is that uh, they've, uh, they've already had a bit of a clean-out you know, a couple of years ago, I believe, and they sacked about 150 people. And now they're getting rid of another 40 or 50 people. That's probably not a lot of people in the scheme of things in America, but it's indicative of something. And in the article about the, uh, about the um, people being uh, dispensed with, there's also mention of the... Uh, that, um, Freight Breakers Convoy that uh, went broke here a couple of months ago and left a lot of people high and dry, and I've already spoken about that on here before. Just makes you wonder if this uh, 
this business plan that these people, these these digital freight agents or freight brokers, are working on has um, got any merit at all. Because the, uh, the freight market in America is a very buoyant one and a very large one, and there's there's a lot of competition over there, and that's got a lot to do with it, I'm sure. But over here, we uh, we don't have the uh, the economies of scale and the massive markets that they have in America. And I'm just wondering if these digital freight boards, these freight breakers are doing more harm than good uh, in, in a market the size of ours. And the most harm they seem to be doing is encouraging people to work for less than what it costs to operate, to, to, to you know, whether it's, there's really no such thing as backloading, but sometimes people think, oh, I'm up here, I've got to get home, what they probably shouldn't have come here in the first place if they couldn't make it profitable in both directions, but that's uh, that's probably a bit too common sense because the way some people operate, I've often wondered over the years whether they went into business to act, to be successful or if they just wanted to uh, see what it felt like to go broke. And uh, there's a bit of that going on too, don't worry. Anyway, um, convoy going broke, Uber Freight cutting back with staff. Uh, there's obviously money problems to cause that. I'm just wondering what lies ahead here. I just hope there's no uh, no sort of doubtful circumstances going on in the background, and I just hope good, honest, well-meaning, profitable operators don't get caught out because, of course, if, uh, if any of these digital freight brokers were to go broke, the first people that won't be paid will be the subbies, and um, you just wonder what the repercussions would be from all that. Anyway, just keeping an eye on things from my uh, front patio here while we're getting some nice rain. And um, wishing everyone well. Take care out there. Thanks for listening. This is Bob McMillan. You copy there, Andy? Yeah, mate, got you go. Mate, we're coming up that level crossing we were talking about before. Looks like we're going to be stopping. Roger that. Look at the size of that thing. They tell me they take about two k's to stop. That's like 20 times the length of the MCG. We've got to be playing chicken with that. Yeah, copy that. They can't exactly swerve either, can they? They're stuck to the tracks, mate. <laughs> it's not that hard to wait till it's safe to cross and make sure the road's clear on the other side. Yeah, not like that bloke last week who forgot about the length of his trailer. Yeah, I heard about that one. It's not really funny, though, when you think about it. Poor old train driver. Probably been having nightmares ever since. Yeah, I reckon. We're all in the same boat, really, mate. Everyone just wants to get home safe at the end of the day. Yeah, not wrong on that one. There goes the last carriage. Looks like we're safe to head off now. Thanks, Mike. Long way to go. After you, old mate. This is a message from Queensland Rail reminding us that it's important to stay alert and obey any signs and signals when approaching level crossings to help keep you and everyone else safe. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. Taking us out of this week's show, regular favourites here at On The Road is Darlinghurst with the news that they've moved forward into 2024 as a duo, featuring the brilliant voices and harmonies of Cassie Leopold and Pagan Newman. Lineup changes aside, it's still the classic Darlinghurst sound we've grown to know and love. Here they are with their brand new single, Apologetic. Took a shot straight to my heart Nothing left, no end, no start No remorse, no doubt Spit them out I got a voice, but 
brought to you by Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. And NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Until next week, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. 